Tristan Wright, welcome to Millennial Manhood. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited. So we've got a friend from down under this week. Um, as I said, Tristan Wright, who uh, is when I asked him, what do you want me? How do you want me to introduce you? He said as a as a business Sherpa. So uh, I have no idea what that means. So go ahead and explain it to us and give the folks a 10,000 foot view of who you are. Yeah, definitely. So what I do is I'll start by asking a question. If if someone was to go, if you were to go and climb Mount Everest, um, would you would you climb Mount Everest by yourself? Uh, I would most, not. Yeah, most people, most people are going to say no, that they would not. They would go and find find someone that's been there and done that. So someone that's got experience climbing climbing Mount Everest and, and typically that's a Sherpa. So uh, they'll get the Sherpa to, to, to guide them on the way up to the top of Mount Everest. And I do the exact same thing but with business. So I, I, I've reached my Mount Everest in business um, I fell off the side on the way up and I got to the top of Mount Everest. <laughs> Quite literally, I fell off the side. Um, and both, both mentally, financially, all of the, all of the above. Uh, but I, I climbed back up and got to the top of my Mount Everest. And now I, now I help others uh, on their journey to, to reach their business goals. And, and I treat that as their, their Mount Everest. So hence... Hence uh, the term business Sherpa, someone that's uh, climbed, climbed Mount Everest before and helping others get to the top. Interesting. So, so what was your Mount Everest? So my, it was my, that was my previous business. So prior, prior to running Evolve to Grow, I, I set up a sportswear business in my, in my early 20s. And so, so selling cycling clothing, triathlon clothing and running clothing. So I set that up from, from, uh, from my kitchen table whilst I was still working a full-time day job. And I, I eventually built it up into a, uh, went full time in it and, and built it into a, into a nice seven figure business. I was making, making some good money in my early, in my mid twenties. Uh, but when you, when you have a lot of initial success, you end up getting, uh, a lot of arrogance and a lot of ego. Uh, and, or that's what happened to me anyway. And I, I didn't think I needed help or I didn't need guidance or support from anyone else. And, that that worked for a little while, but um, then there was a few few in, external influences that impacted me, uh, and I didn't know how to deal with them. So my wife my wife left me, um, and at a very similar time, the the Aussie dollar plummeted, and I hadn't. So we were purchasing everything in US dollars, and I hadn't forecast that. So mm-hmm. we we lost a whole heap of margin in in selling product at the same time i had a lot of personal issues and um yeah that's when i fell off the side of my mount everest (laughs) so uh i didn't i didn't want to i couldn't deal with business i couldn't deal with life and i ended up just just sticking my head in the sand for for a good six months and and a bit later i woke up and i was 200 odd grand in debt and had had some pretty like I imagine, yeah, it was had mental health issues at the time, so I had to realize that. Hang on, I don't need to do all of this by myself. I can, I can actually talk to others and uh, get support and guidance from others. And the first step I had to do was let go of my ego uh, and and take off uh, the blinkers to realize that, yeah, business life, you don't have to do it by yourself. You can do it with others. So. Once I started doing that, I was able to rebuild that business and 
and grow again as a person um, and grow uh, and to, to be able to enjoy life but also uh, grow the business back to profitable as well. And and then I was able to, I was lucky enough to 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 clean it up enough to to fix it up and that it was ended up being better than before and ended up being able to sell it. So that's my uh, my backstory journey, ten thousand foot ten thousand foot view. Uh, but it takes me up to almost today. So after after that, I was able to take some time off and and realize that others would go through similar journeys, and that I actually had the ability to help them. So and that's what I that's what I do now. Interesting. So. You, you just gave me a whole bunch to unpack. Yeah, we could talk for, for hours on all of that. So, so how old are you? So, I'm 34 now. So, yeah, you've lived a lot yeah. of life for 34. Yeah, I, I imagine I've probably probably lived a lot for 34. So, yeah. But that's just, just me. Okay, well, well let me, so, let's, let's start at the beginning. So what causes you to go into entrepreneurship? Ah, uh, like... Even when I was at uni or even at school, I was I always I was always doing things for myself, and uh, I I just I just never wanted to to work for other people. I thought I was like that that's a glass ceiling there. So I'm limited in terms of my my growth mentally, financially, whatever. I, I always I don't know ever since I was seventeen or. 16 I don't know I've always wanted to to be continually growing and I haven't wanted to be capped so and work working for someone else it's like yeah that's a glass ceiling I'm not able to grow as quickly as I want hmm. interesting so was selling sportswear I mean was this an e-business what, what what was it yeah so so basically what what happened was it started out a group of friends that wanted some cycling clothing and I saw that gap in the market uh, after organizing some clo- cycling clothing for friends and it ended up being just as much online as as face to face so like I we had a we set it up just as Facebook was starting to, or I set it up just as Facebook was starting to take off, and I was able to promote it uh, online, and that's that's what allowed the the rapid growth, I guess. Uh, so using using social channels, so um, yeah, it was people buying small groups, small group orders, right through to big big banks and automotive companies or organizing uniforms for them. So, in essence, it was a an online business, but there's also a lot of relationship building as well. Interesting. So, was it just in Australia, or was it international? Uh, I'd say the majority was Australia, but I definitely sold. I uh, definitely sold a bit into the states, a bit into the UK, a bit into to Malaysia and Singapore as well. So, majority majority Australian based, but definitely selling international as well. So, so what what were you doing? Were you just buying wholesale and then selling at a, a discount compared to the brick and mortar stores online? Was that basically what you were doing? No, so it was all it was all custom clothing. So we we designed the product, um, but then we would put on a company or a brand's logos or, or or branding. So we would design it for them. So my so let's say we ha- so Holden is owned by GM. So Holden. Was a, is a car brand in Australia, and they wanted uniforms for for their their employees to wear. So we they would give us their branding, and we would put it onto our 
onto our product and then manufacture it over typically over in China and then send it back to Holden. So it is all bespoke. Interesting. Interesting. So, okay, that's that's a pretty niche marketplace to go into, which anybody who knows anything about business, if it's a niche marketplace, you're either going to make a whole lot of money real quick or you're going to lose a whole lot of money real quick. Um, Correct, correct. You know the 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 barrier to entry might not be that that large, but so is you know the opportunity for for making making it is very hard. So, what do you think distinguished you in the marketplace? To you know, what were some of those early habits that helped you make it a successful business? Especially at I'm assuming if you're saying early Facebook stage, so you're talking about 06, so you're talking about probably being what 22, 23. Yeah, it was about 08. So it, it started paying. It started coming out in Australia in 08. So yeah, yeah. So it, it was actually just being being present and show and and being in front of people. So previously, all relationships were built by phone or or you had to go out and visit them. But with the advent of Facebook, you're able to to be present. Online and and just sharing the message that way allowed me to connect with so many more people so much quicker and and actually not being afraid to reach out to people uh, and knowing because I was doing something slightly different that I had a that I had a had an in because I was doing something slightly different having confidence in my offer was was a big one. Interesting. So. You, you talked earlier in your ten thousand foot view about the the arrogance and the ego that was caused by your early success. So I want you to elaborate on that and unpack what what happened that that took you to that level. Yeah, I guess it's um, you don't know what you don't know. So when when you're in your early mid twenties and you you've got a multi six figure and then seven figure business with with not much resistance, uh, you. It's just natural to, to end up having a bit of an ego because like when you're 17, 18, you, you tell, if you tell people that in five, seven years' time you're going to be running a million-dollar business, uh, you'd, everyone would be like, oh, wow. So uh, I just – because I had no – I didn't have a lot of resistance and it came naturally in the early days, I didn't, I didn't think to, to look – outside of the initial path that I was going on to realize that, hey, there could be obstacles in the way. So uh, just because I I had found it, I was on a journey that had no resistance in the early days, didn't mean it was always going to happen that way. So, uh, and it wasn't until some of that, those roadblocks of resistance came up that I realized that I'd actually missed all those warning signs because, Experience does a lot for you. Like, uh, as much as you have have success, you need experience and you need to have failure to to be able to to learn and grow. So you said you missed the warning signs. What were the warning signs? Oh uh, well, okay. So uh, with the Aussie dollar dropping, if I had have known um, to be looking for that, I would I would have been able to see all the markers on on the stock market on the. On the, in the stock exchange, uh, or and all all the communications coming from uh, in the business magazines and business articles that the Aussie dollar was going to drop, and if I had known that, I would have been able to to hedge against the US dollar and and budget budget for the fact that we were weren't going to be able to have as much margin. But because I didn't know to be looking for these signs, I, I didn't look for them. 
Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm literally Googling the, the Aussie dollar right now, and I'm looking at it relative to the US dollar. And you can see in 2008, it's almost dollar for dollar in value. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it went up to, and then it went up a tiny bit as well. Yeah. So like I'm looking at so, a, a dollar, an, yeah, to 1.07. So it dropped dramatically in 2008 to 6.64 cents on the dollar. And now currently it's 68 cents on a dollar. So yeah, that's, that's twice the value. And you were buying everything in US dollars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, dro- buying, buying everything in US dollars and because I was manufacturing in China. So, mm. so and, and China, China uh, basis of the or sell, buys and sells off the US dollar. So, uh, yeah, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, the Aussie dollar's at $1.07. Uh, let's make lots of money. Um, but then I didn't count it for the fact that it would drop to $0.80, cents, to $0.70, cents, to $0.65 cents kind of thing. So, so what happened in, in, in the Australian economy? Was there just, I mean, was there a, a call on bonds that the government owed that flooded the market with, with currency? What, what happened? Um, to be honest, uh, I I. I I couldn't tell you exactly like exactly why why it happened, but every about every seven years the Aussie dollar Aussie dollar drops against the US dollar, then rebuilds up against it. It's it's to do with our our property market. So our, we invest a lot of money in our in our property. Um, so we use we use property as a tool to making money, and when when the property uh, when property becomes overvalued, we see people are like okay, we've overinvested in in property, and and then then the government starts to to change our our um, interest rates, and that's when then we have issues. Obviously, there's a whole heap of other reasons, but this is one of them. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never really considered the you know the macroeconomic state of Australia <laughs> and what, <laughs> what effect it will have on people and their businesses. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't initially, but yeah, yeah, I, I didn't expect it. AUD. I didn't. Um, uh, I didn't. Um, yeah, study uh, the Aussie to US dollar initially, but yeah, it has a massive impact. So, well, and that's really interesting because it, it puts so many things in perspective. So, the overwhelming majority of our listeners on the episodes are are from America, and because basically the entire world pegs its currency to the US dollar. We're almost weirdly immune to issues like that, unless we're you know trading internationally. But if I want to go produce Correct. something, anybody will take my money because the U.S. dollar is pegged to everything. So Correct. it's it's an interesting conundrum. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't have to deal with that issue anywhere near as much as us because the the U.S. everyone pegs against the U.S. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, so it's it's just an extra factor that other countries have to deal with. So, you know, you mentioned pretty much the, the bottoming out of you falling out of falling off your Mount Everest was was when your wife left you. Um, yeah. You know, you, you talked about the warning signs of the economic aspect, but what about the warning signs in your personal life and the and the and the bottom that you hit there? I mean, what was what, what was that like and how did that change your perception of life? Yeah, that's that's a really, really good question. So I thought. Um, or we both thought we had similar goals, uh, but even if, but what we realised is we, even though we had similar goals, we had totally different values and 
different ways that we wanted to get there. Uh, and because we struck, uh, we didn't communicate properly, uh, we ended up having having all of those issues. And what when when you, when you're not on the same page uh, with with where you want to go and how you want to get there, you end up having having issues and and and, and drifting apart. So um, I was. I guess I wasn't mature enough to be able to deal with that and understand her feelings or she wasn't able mature enough to be able to understand my feelings or, or what we wanted to do. And it ended up just being best for us to part ways. Uh, in hindsight, definitely the best best thing that happened to both of us because we're both extremely happy now. And um, for me, I was like, that was, I guess, the kick in the guts I needed because I hadn't until that that period, I hadn't really had any major hurdles in 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 life. I had, I you could say I'd had a relatively sheltered life until the Aussie dollar dropped and and my wife left me. Um, but once that happened, I realised that okay, there's more to life than just just progressing without having any issues. And you need to be constantly learning and growing to be able to to be happy. You can't just coast through life. Interesting. So it, I like what you said there about you need to be constantly learning and growing. You can't just coast through life. Was there something specifically about that, about that experience of the divorce and things like that, that, that forced you into that direction? Because quite frankly, it could have forced you into another direction. It could have forced you into a direction of alcoholism and uh, oh, depression and et cetera. Like, why was it that, that the direction you chose was the one of self-improvement? Look, for the first few months, I definitely, yeah, de- was definitely very, very down, very flat. Probably had depression, mental health issues. Def- definitely had had all those issues. But at the end of the day, um, we've got a finite time that we're on this earth, and it's more fun being happy than it is uh, being sad and depressed. So why, why, why waste this time? Why not? Uh, why not look to be happy and growing kind of thing? So um, because, yeah, like we've quite literally got a limited time, so we may as well enjoy the time what, that, we, that we're here. Yeah. So when somebody hires you as their guide, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, who, who are you primarily working with? What, what, what type of individual hires you? So typically I'm working with, with small business owners, they've probably got five to twenty staff in in business, um, and they've they've had a lot of initial success, but they've probably hit a couple of roadblocks, um, and they're they're sort of stuck and not sure where to go in business, where to go in life. So, uh, pretty much, yeah, they're, they're stuck, and and a lot of the time they're stuck is because they're they're not sure what they want to achieve in life. So then. Yes, they may have achieved a bit recently, but they don't know where they want to be in five or 10 or 20 years' time. And and they're just, because of that, they're stagnant right now. So they've got a business and they've got probably work ethic, but they're missing a vision. Correct. That's it. And there's so many business owners um, that, that are missing that vision. So, and because they're missing that vision, they don't know how to execute or create that strategy. Sorry, create that strategy, then execute on it. So, 
uh, you'd be surprised at how many people have only got a very, very rough or very loose vision, both in business and in life. So what kind of roadblocks are you finding when you initially meet with these people? They're, so they're coming to me with their their issues. They they might be saying, "Hey, we're not profitable, or we're not able to find customers, uh, or or they're coming to me saying they're burnt out, and 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 they're like, we need we need to fix. We just need some quick fixes. Uh, and a lot of the time, I'm like, no, you don't need. We can give you quick fixes, but that's only that's only going to work for the next couple of months, and you're going to come back in in three months and say, hey, Tristan. Uh, this di- this didn't really work. So uh, it's it's working out what the what the symptoms are, but then actually treating the cause. So a lot of a lot of the time, people will tr- will treat the will treat the symptoms rather than the cause. So so give me an example of treating the uh, treating the symptom instead of the cause. Obviously, don't use names, but just give me an example. Yeah. All right, so easy. Symptom is uh, I don't have enough sales and I don't know how to sell. Um, so that's a symptom. And they're like, can you can you give me a um, a proven formula to to increase my sales? And I'm like, yep, that's fine. I can do that. But but we're going we're going to get leads in. But the real issue, the reason you're not getting sales is because you you don't actually know what you're selling, what the benefit to them is, what the benefit to you is, uh, what the benefit to the business is. Uh, once once you understand, and that's a cause. So once someone understands their cause, uh, it's a lot easier to then go and reverse engineer how to, to, treat the, to treat the symptom. So that's interesting. So you're saying the, um, the cause of not knowing the why behind why you're even trying to sell what you're trying to sell is causing you not to sell. Correct, correct. Uh, that's that's my belief because as soon as you know why, it's so much easier. Uh, because because for me, it's you'd be doing it, it, I you, it's almost like you're doing someone disservice by not selling to them if you know your why. Yeah. Uh, have you ever read Simon Sinek? Start with why. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've got I've got his book. Um, it's on my it's on my desk over to the left of me. Yeah, that's a really, really good book for for folks. I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it, that and Leaders Eat Last, which I'm actually looking at on my uh, my podcasting desk in my home office. There's a little bookshelf of different books. It's got uh, and Leaders Eat Last is is one of them, along with Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Five Day Weekend, yep. Cows, etc. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I've got all of these books, so uh, you learn you learn a lot from from other people's experiences and their mistakes as well. Well, so let me ask you this because I think this is almost an epidemic in our society. But how many people are you finding where they're saying, "Man, I'm just burned out. I'm just, I'm just." Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yep, yeah. That's it's massive because people we're we're trained to work, um, so everyone and we're. We're told if we're not being, if we're not working, we're not being productive, and we're not giving back, or we're not adding value. But, and that's what that what that's what leads to burnout. So, we, the human mind, the human body can't function twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a, a year. We actually need to have time out to be able to, to function at our highest efficiency. So I actually say to my clients, if you want to work with me, 
the very first thing you need to do is book in a week away every 90 days. So you need to have four or five days out of your business every 90 days that will allow you to recharge and refresh. Interesting. So why every 90 days and why a week? So so the human mind the way we work we can we can work in like 90 100 day sprints there's a lot of a lot of research around that and if we struggle to focus in detail much past those 90 100 days uh, so that hence that's why why it's that and it, it fits nicely because it works into quarters and and the reason for the four or five days it's always going to it's always going to take you a day or two to unwind so you need a day or two to unwind. Then you need a day or two to to actually to think and um, and to to do whatever you want to do just to recharge. And then the last day, you're always going to be thinking about what's happening tomorrow. So we just because if you go if you go on a holiday, the first couple of days when you're on holiday, you're always going to be thinking about about work, what's happened the last few days. It, it does take a few days to unwind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's the best thing you can possibly do is when you're on a vacation or as you got, what you guys would call it holidays, just put your damn yep. phone away. <laughs> you know, exactly. Stop checking email, put your phone away and, and, you know, actually enjoy the moment. Um, yeah. So, so you, you know, you, you talk about some of the basics. So for example, taking a week off every 90 days, have you found any success with, so for example, in my personal life with my business, I found it that I am most productive when I set um, basically bookends within my day. Yes. Like I go hard from 9 a.m. till 3 p.m. I'm done. I don't do anything. I leverage everything else in my life. I don't work six to six. I don't work 5 a.m. to seven o'clock at night. It's, it, there's a diminishing return. Have Correct. you found any success with, with putting bookends into people's lives like that? To- totally. So like at the end of the day, if, if you wake up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to do 12 hours of work, you'll make, you'll spread out the work to fit in 12 hours. But if you wake up in the morning and say, these are my tasks, I need to have them done by, by 3 p.m., you're going to go full speed ahead and be as efficient as you can and not waste that time and, and, and achieve it in that shorter time frame. And a lot of the time, the reason you, you'll do that, but you'll be a lot more efficient because you actually have that vision or that ultimate goal. You actually understand what you're trying to achieve. So you A, you need to know what, what you're looking to achieve, have clarity on that. But then the next step is having that execution plan. And, and if you don't actually have clarity on how you're going to execute, you'll just say, oh, yeah, I'll just work a 10-hour, 12-hour day and be busy. So it's just changing people's mindset around that. So do you, do you help people a lot with their daily planning? Like, for example, prioritizing what's most important and, and the do's and don'ts and what needs to be delegated, leveraged, et cetera? Uh, um, yeah. Like, so a lot of my clients, I end up giving them worksheets and they're like, oh, wow, I actually didn't realize I do all of this in my day. And that I just sometimes I'll say, hey, do this worksheet. And they'll be like, all this stuff, it's earning me less than $200 an hour. I should be delegating that to my staff. So mm. then at the end of the day, when you're a business owner, you should be only working on the, the high value items uh, because really business is a tool for life, a tool for you to enjoy enjoy your life. You're not there to do all the, all the mundane admin work. 
Have you ever, and I know we just released the podcast actually on this today, but have you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yes. No, sorry. I haven't read it. I've listened to it. So okay. So, so, so you know the, you know, the quadrant of employee, self-employed yep. business owner, investor. So Robert Kiyosaki yes. would say that a lot of people own their job as in they're a business, they're a self-employed, but you're not a business owner unless you've got systems in place that allow for the business to run, whether you're there or not. So there's a lot That's of confusion it. actually there. Yeah. Yeah. So like majority of small business, I'd say is that people are owning a job because, um, because they actually don't have systems. They don't know how to delegate. Uh, they're like, these people can't do it as good as me, so I'm just going to do it. But that's that's just owning owning a fragile job. Yeah, that's the, that goes back to the whole concept of you know the ego kicking in. Yes, yeah, and, and also that, but also not knowing how to do it, um, and not knowing the right questions to ask, or not knowing how to learn. Had or not knowing that there are other ways to do things. Just because you've done it this way and it's worked for years doesn't mean it has has to be done this way in the future. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that makes total sense. So, um, is there a specific planning system to use? Like, for example, I and I feel like I'm an evangelist for this, but I use the Full Focus Planner by Michael Hyde. Go check it out. Uh, yeah. Changed. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it basically changed how I run my entire life. Um, yeah, I've I've used his books. Yeah, um, I I don't use the Full Focus Planner currently, but yeah, very similar structure to to the Full Focus Planner. Yeah, uh, so, so uh, shameless plug, Full Focus Planner. Google it. He's from Nashville. I've met him on several occasions. Super super nice guy, and the planner is is incredible. So shameless plug. Go check it out. Um, yeah, but yeah. So and one of the things that he has you do within the planner is. Every single day, there are three tasks that are the priority of the tasks that need mm-hmm. to be accomplished, and everything else is a secondary task. So you don't go to – it's not like a to-do list where you just check off everything. You have to prioritize the things to the three most important things, and nothing else gets done until those three things are done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're focusing on the high-ticket items, the, the items or the, the tasks that are going to add the most value to you. So – and even though they might maybe the hardest ones, you've got to do it. It's just like uh, Brian Tracy's "Eat That Frog." Do the do the hardest, most, highest value thing first. Oh, okay, good segue. So <laughs> you, you probably never heard. Maybe you have. I don't know. They I don't know if they have it in Australia. But there's this company out of Nashville called Southwestern Book Company, and it's basically a bunch of college kids every summer going door to door selling educational books. Okay, and it's it's a really really robust sales training program. Um, the college kids make a bunch of money if they do well. If they don't, they don't make any money. Um, so it's very very much so real world. Go out there, get the door slammed in your face, etc. But mm-hmm. my, my point to all that is is uh, they have this thing. Oh, crap, I don't remember if it's the left knob or the right knob on a shower. But basically, every morning they're trained to go take a cold shower, just an f- ice cold shower, because yeah. nobody wants to take an ice cold shower when they wake up. And if you take an ice cold shower first thing in the morning when you wake up, you've already done one thing you don't want to do. Yes. So it makes the next thing you don't want to do, aka go knock on some door and and have somebody slam the door on you, that much easier because you've already accomplished the first step for the day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and you've you've accomplished one of the hardest things. So the next, next thing isn't going to be as challenging. Yeah, there, there's this weird mental game that gets played. And I've done the cold shower thing before. It really does work. I don't do it regularly because 
as my wife will tell you, showers are very enjoyable for me. <laughs> I like it. I like just waking up. That's where I get to think. I want it to be warm. I don't want it to be miserable, uh, which racks up our water bill. But it's uh, <laughs> it's it, it, when you do do it, it's it, you you build some mental toughness. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't think I could uh, stay in there for more than thirty seconds. So yes, yeah, totally. And it's it's a mindset thing. So once you've realized you can achieve, basically, yeah, it's coming back to mindset. Once you've realized you can achieve this. You're like, okay, what's the next thing? Uh, this was tough. I can, I can suffer through other things. And, and I know that if I go through this, uh, there's going to be benefit to me at the end. Yep, yep. So, uh, okay, let's go back to you falling off Mount Everest. I love that analogy, by the way. Um, so you fall off Mount Everest. You, what was some of the best advice you got to get back on the right path? Okay, so the best is quite literally don't do it by yourself. Have spend time talking to others and learning from others, um, and and sharing your thoughts and feelings with others. So uh, don't don't be afraid to go to other biz- other people that have run businesses or other business owners and ask for their support or guidance. So people are willing and naturally open to helping you. Interesting. Don't do it by yourself. I think we've got to set ourselves a title for the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, quite quite literally. Don't don't do it by yourself. Like uh, because why why make mistakes that other people have made mistakes um, have already done previously? Why why not learn from their mistakes? Yeah, yeah. The, go, don't reinvent the wheel. It's unnecessary. Correct. Correct. So, and that you you look at all all successful business owners, all successful people in life, they're always going to have mentors or people that they talk to that look for and look for for guidance. So, let me ask you this: So, it's 2019. You started this in 2008. If if we go back 11 years ago, what? How would you describe your maturity level, both intellectually, emotionally, physically? in 2008 compared to your maturity level today and what would you say are some of the biggest uh differentiators i thought i was mature then <laughs> um so if you are if you asked uh 20 23 year old me i would have said i, I was extremely mature but if you ask uh 34 year old me how mature i was then i'd say i wasn't very mature so uh for my age i guess i was mature but yeah biggest thing is is experience and and that now about asking questions and and knowing knowing that I don't know everything and that I need to continually learn to grow and to move forward. So hmm. previously previously I thought I could teach myself everything, but uh, now it's just you have to talk to other people and learn from their experiences and and take that on board as well. Yeah, I like how you said you were the most mature 23 year old which doesn't mean anything yeah exactly so and i've still got a lot to learn right now you're continually learning yeah no i i can definitely echo that sentiment you know at 23 i probably thought i was the greatest gift you know to god's earth and and thinking through it and being like i got this and then you get kicked in the face over and over again by life by health by whatever it may be. And you start realizing like, Oh, okay. This, this thing's a little bit harder than you thought. And maybe you don't have everything figured out. Correct. Correct. And, and once you realize you don't have everything figured out and you're not going to get everything figured out, uh, because you're always going to be learning, 
um, that's when you start to, to, I guess, progress and move forward. Because at the end of the day, once you climb Mount Everest, you get to the top and realize, oh, yeah, there's K2, there's Kilimanjaro, there's a whole heap more mountains to climb as well. And life's a continual journey like that. Yep. So I want to go back to something you said earlier that I, I wrote down and circled and underlined. It's more fun being happy than depressed. I know that sounds so self-evident on the on the surface, but elaborate a little bit more on that because I think that's such a cool concept and, and such a cool explanation of that. Yeah, um, that's actually the first time I'd actually I've come out with that that line. So we, so really, we why why would someone what like yes we don't we a lot of the time we can't control our feelings um, we or we can to an extent like but we do. We do have the certain chemical imbalances, whatever that will that will limit uh, how happy or how sad we are. But we we can always make an effort to to grow and to move forward and 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 to be happy because I there's, there's some people that go around grump, grumpy and looking looking at the world glass half empty as opposed to glass half full. And why would you want, why would you want to do that? I th- for me, I just, sometimes I don't understand why people would look, look at everything glass half empty. Yeah. There's definitely a mindset shift that needs to happen within quite frankly society. Cause we all just love to bitch mm. and complain about things. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas we, we forget that it's a freaking miracle that we're alive. I mean, I mean, even some, so, you know, pure biology standpoint, the fact that you're alive, okay, for a sperm to get to an egg and impregnate it, it is the equivalent of 300 million people walking from Los Angeles to Seattle and one of them making it. Yeah. That's the statistical odds of you being alive. That's a freaking miracle. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're very lucky to be here and in the situation that we're in. So why not make the most of it? So look at look at the world that we live in, and I guess the society that we live in compared to a lot less poorer or a lot less lucky people as well. Yeah, I mean, if you live in the United States or in Australia, you're you're doing all right. All right, you're, yeah. you're living much better than the rest of the world. Period. Correct. Yes. Yeah, and there's. We can't argue about that. There's so many opportunities for us. So, which, by the way, I really, really want to come visit Australia, but my wife has uh, put the kibosh on that until we can afford flying in a pod because it's like a 24-hour flight from Nashville. Um, so I can't fly coach. I got to make enough money for us to go first class in order to get to Australia. She was like, I'm not sitting in coach for that. I said, okay, fine. What what you can do you can you can just have holidays on the way so you you might stop over in in say Singapore or somewhere stay there for a day and then and then then do another flight so I think I think this it'll be about two ten hour flights and you just stop over for a day in between. Dude, I have wanted I've wanted to come to Australia since I was a kid growing up in Germany. I just wanted to go fight a kangaroo as a kid. Which is kind of stupid <laughs> because those are violent, dangerous animals. Uh, <laughs> but you see the cartoons and you're like, they box. I want to box them. Good, good, good luck boxing a kangaroo. So yeah, exactly. Well, um, Tristan, I know we're running up on time here, but I wanted to end the podcast the, the way I always end the podcast. So, and we've we've touched on this a little bit throughout the episode, but 
if you could go back to 18 year old you all right all wide-eyed bushy-tailed excited about the world excited about life um and knowing all that you know and knowing all that you know about yourself at this stage of your life what's one piece of advice you would give 18 year old tristan if you could go back and talk to him that's a that's a bloody good question that's a really really good question so you know what i would one piece of advice would be I would have changed the the uni course I studied. I studied engineering. I would have gone and studied um, a biz, business commerce degree instead. So something that's more real world, realistic. Um, so that's that's maybe not the one piece of advice. That's but it's what definitely definitely one good piece. The I think the best piece. I'm really stuck on this one. So what's a what's a good piece of advice to give me? I mean, you can go with the different university path. I mean, I think that's completely legitimate. Uh, because yeah. I mean, think about it. I don't know how long you guys go to university out there here in the States. It's four years, but that shapes Same. a lot of who you are. Correct, correct. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely a big one. But I, I think it would be to challenge myself more rather than coast through through because I, I I don't think I've necessarily previously I don't think I necessarily challenged myself enough so I've set set high enough goals and kept myself to account for that or take take ownership of my actions so it would be to challenge myself more and take more ownership of my actions awesome I love it I love it well uh, we're at the end of the episode here's your opportunity to give a sales pitch for how people can get a hold of you whether it's social media or your website, whatever, let the folks know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, easy. So jump on my website. It's evolvetogrow.com.au. Don't forget the AU because that means we're down under. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. At- <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. Go ahead. I, I, I get it all the time. Like whenever I do a podcast interview, I have to remind everyone to add the .au to my website because, uh, yeah, we, we have to have the .au at the end of ours. So otherwise you can uh, find me on LinkedIn at Tristan D. Wright. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everybody go check out Tristan's website, connect with him on social media. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of awesome material that you put out and uh, people can connect with you via those routes. Uh, I think your story's awesome and your attitude is awesome. And, and I really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. And for everybody else listening, as always, millennialmanhood.net, or you can email us at millennialmanhoodcip at gmail. Uh, compliments, constructive criticism, keywords, constructive. If you're just going to bitch and whine, don't email us. You got to offer a solution to any problems you see. Uh, besides that, y'all have a good rest of your day and we'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>